This is the post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you all the big match reaction with views from the press box, the dugout and the stands. Liverpool 2, Everton nil. Divock Origi delivers in the derby yet again. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along to the post-game podcast as the Reds keep pace in the Premier League title race. Andy Robertson finding the breakthrough before Origi added the second to give the Reds the points. Coming up, we'll hear from our resident Reds here on post-game as well as Jurgen Klopp's press conference. But before that, as ever, we cross to Anfield to our Liverpool correspondent, Paul Gorst. The post-game podcast on the Blood Red channel. Liverpool have closed the gap on Manchester City at the top of the Premier League to a point after a 2-0 win in the 240th Merseyside derby. Here at Anfield this afternoon, uh, second half goals from Andy Robertson and Divock Origi were enough for the Reds to uh, claim bragging rights, uh, make it a league double over Everton. Uh, and Everton side have dropped into the relegation zone as a result of today's defeat. Um, Liverpool were, um, well, to be fair, in the first half, the weren't at the races in all honesty, uh, Tuesday night they flew out of the box against Manchester United but uh, the first half was characterised by its lack of energy, its uh, lack of any real chances for Liverpool and the fact that Everton were content to sit in, defend doggedly and run the clock down at every opportunity as is their prerogative uh, given the situation that they're in. Um, Jürgen Klopp reached for uh, Divock Origi and Luis Diaz from the substitutes bench on the 60th minute and that was the catalyst to change the game entirely. Within two minutes of their arrival, Origi had laid in Salah. He put her on a play for Andy Robertson and he scored a header inside the uh, six-yard box of Everton's goal and uh, in front of the cop end, it celebrated wildly and uh, from then you didn't really feel as though it was going to be anything other than a Liverpool win. Um, Origi, as he so often has, was uh, the scourge of Everton once again with a close-range header uh, later on to make it 2-0 and make sure that the points did in fact stay with the Reds. Um, it's Origi's sixth career goal against the Blues and how he loves playing against them and how Everton must loathe the sight of Liverpool's number 27. It's, uh, could be his last um, his last goal against Everton, in all fairness, his contract is down in the summer and uh, it looks like he could be walking away as a free agent, but he will do so with his head held high and of course he will be Liverpool's derby hero for many years to come after his performances in recent years. This was another example of that, um, but Liverpool march on, it's another big victory against their rivals after beating United here 4-0 on Tuesday, they carried it on with a 2-0 win against Everton, um, six goals without reply against their two most fierce of rivals, uh, they march on, it's now a Champions League semi-final against Villarreal on Wednesday night, uh, it's all happening here at Anfield at the moment isn't it, it's uh, a special time to be following this club, to be covering it and to be uh, supporting it in the cop end and Liverpool fans were delighted with another big three points, it's finished here at Anfield, Liverpool 2, Everton 0. Yes, that's the, that is the, um, what substitution, substitutions should do. And we are really um, happy with the impact this season, to be honest, uh, when the boys come on. And that is all about the right mindset, being ready, all three subs. Hendo came on late, but um, how he showed up was absolutely exceptional. And, and obviously, Luis and, and Divock were involved in the goals. Um, and that helps most, obviously, in a football game, especially when you play against such a low block. and. Um, we were not really good in the first half. It's, I can admit that easily because um, it was obvious, and we do this, these kind of things in public, so probably everybody saw it. Um, but that is not good and good in the same moment because then, if you have half time, it's no, you have a, a good chance to improve. 
um, with simple messages and um, that's what we did and so then we won uh, all good. As a, he's a legend on and off the pitch, I have to say. That's how it is. Um, he is um, a fantastic footballer for me. And I know that sounds ridiculous because I don't line him up often. Um, he's a world-class striker, so he's our best finisher, definitely. Um, he always was, and everybody would say the same. Um, in, in, in when you see him doing these kind of things in, in, in training, and then he's not a squad because of the quality of the other players. So that's is really, it's really hard. I can imagine today again, other players were not in the squad. They're in a really good shape. It's really hard, are really hard decisions to make because the boys all want to contribute and all. Um, are responsible for the situation we are in. Yeah, but then Diff, um, everybody loves Diff, and rightly so. And um, it was again very decisive, and I'm very, very happy for him. Andy Hunter. Again, what were the simple messages that you relayed to your team at that time? So there's one area where we should wish that the Bears called the goals is behind the last line. I don't think we showed up there at all in the first half, to be honest. We played around the formation. It's really difficult. We have 87% possession. So I'm not sure if that's a new record, but second one was. But do we know the other game? Man City against Swansea. Ah, not for us. Okay. Oh, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really difficult, especially with the counter-attacking threat they have, uh, because if they have one thing, then it's real speed up front. And Anthony Gordon, obviously, is a, is a, a real talent and uh, really quick. And that, that what we had our problems there. Um, so we showed actually one situation and stopped it eight times and showed what we could have done differently in the specific moment. So accelerations. Um, Playing the half spaces, getting behind the line, even chipping balls behind the line. Because what we did, we played around, and then we played in the center. And in the center, they were they had more legs than us. Because it's not such a cool thing, but it's normal as well. Can happen that you have um, against a deep formation, you have too many players behind the ball, obviously. Um, so you have a lot of passers, but not a lot of receivers. Uh, the receivers don't. You know, receivers only really move when they see that they will get the ball. So we need, but you need these movements without getting the ball to distract the formation a little bit. And um, we didn't do that often enough, obviously, in the first half. So the football is always an explanation for, for, for the things you don't do well. That's a good thing about it. And um, so we've improved. And then we thought with the changes we made, now we can give them another task um, to deal with, just having a second striker in the centre, didn't need another build-up player really. Um, in these moments we had enough players with the ball um, in, in possession. Um, but if Diff and Mo don't see the situation, pass the ball, follow the situation, chip it to the second post and Robo probably first time in the game showed up at the second post, scores from there, then we still sit here and talk about a nil-nil maybe. Um, so you need these moments, and that's up to up to the boys. And um, credit to them uh, that they found a way. And um, so I said, all good. Thank you. Any more?
Yes, Dave, just you, you, you obviously were <clears throat> quite brave as well, tactically, because you, 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 you brought on the extra attack of it and you changed the system a little too. And I'm just wondering whether, I mean, was that in the circumstance, was that, you, did you feel that that was what you had to do, just be, be, be brave? Yeah, to win the game, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you mean with circumstances, the situation, the table, or what, or what well, do you mean? I mean, it, it was quite an early... Didn't think about the situation. So we, we, look, uh, we have, the situation in the table is clear for us, yeah. so no, no news. Um, no, but to win the game, you have to change things, yeah, that's true. And um, much, yeah, it was brave. And we, we, we tried to adapt as well in the protection, because obviously um, Anthony uh, was on his, on his bike a couple of times. And um, we cannot leave then Joel constantly there alone, makes no sense. And we, 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 we told Trent to um, play the promo a little bit deeper. And, and we wanted Fab on that side as well. Um, so we knew where the threat is coming from. Still could not always um, um, defend it in the first place. Um, that's how it is. But um, you have in football, if you don't take risk, you cannot win a football game. So that's how it is. And I said it was obviously easy to improve today from the first half, and we did. And that's why it's all good. Jurgen Klopp reacting to seeing off the Blues in the derby in his post-match press conference. Coming up, we'll hear from our resident Reds here on Post Game. The Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel. Mike Holt from Go On The Match Podcast with my review on Liverpool 2, Everton 0 in the Merseyside derby. Keeps the dream alive for the boys in red and uh, I suppose gives the nightmare a bit of a push in terms of the blue sides of Merseysides with um, the relegation battle, you know, uh, in the right thick of it for the blue, for the blues. But, <clears throat> I mean, concentrating on the reds, you know, it was... Obviously, it was a, it's a Merseyside derby. Anything can happen. Form kind of goes out of the window um, in that respect. And I was always just confident, so long as Liverpool played their football um, to the ability that they know they can uh, and the way that they've been putting teams to the sword recently, that we would we would get the three points. Um, and, yeah, the game kind of panned out in that respect in terms of Everton sitting back in, in the low block. I mean, I've seen a lot of Reds sort of say that, you know, sort of um, have a go, I suppose, at the way that Evan have played. But I don't really understand that because I don't really know how people expect Everton to come and play. The best team currently in the world, in my opinion, um, they did what they needed to do. And to be fair to them, they, they did it really well. Um, you know, they had not, not many chances going forward. I think the only real outlet was sort of Anthony Gordon who up until the 60th minute mark, I thought was actually man of the match, to be honest. I thought he played really well, um, apart from his dive um, and his antics throughout the games, which obviously came back to haunt him in the end. But I think Everton did what they needed to do and they did it well. Um, but like I say, as long as Liverpool kept playing the footy, um, we were eventually going to break them down. That first half um, worried me because... We just looked so passive and off the pace. Um, I wouldn't say we were necessarily complacent, but we just looked like we weren't at the races to begin with. Um, especially Trent, you know, he looked like he'd been out on the aisle all night. 
Um, Thiago's passing was just a little bit slow, and sometimes he was taking his you know time a little bit too much on the ball. I just felt like the tempo wasn't quite there. Um, and I think the subs really changed the game. You know, the impact that Divock Origi and Luis Diaz had on the game ultimately changed it. And like I say, I thought Andrew Gordon was man of the match up until the 60th minute mark. And then I think Andy Robertson and, you know, arguably Divock Origi on the day, um, you know, that lad really does hate Everton. I don't know what, you know, Everton have done to Divock in the past, but he absolutely hates them, doesn't he? And it was funny because when he came on, I was saying to the boys I was watching it with that, I was like, I wonder if he's got one last hurrah in him, you know, before he leaves in the summer. He must have one last one in him. And, you know, and did he, you know, he was involved in the first goal and obviously he gets the second. And like I say, up to that 60th minute mark, I don't think we were brilliant. Um, Everton was starting to... The antics of, of, of past games under Ancelotti, I think, was starting to happen in the second half. You know, they had the... Um, the Decore one just on Fabino before the half-time whistle and the little uh, the little bust up there. And as soon as that happened, I thought, we'll win this now. Because, that you know, they've really let themselves down at that point. Up till then, they were doing really well. It almost reminded me of the Arsenal game early on in the season at Anfield where Arteta had a little bit of a pop at Klopp and it really got the fans up and everyone got behind them. And then ultimately Liverpool went and scored because, you know, it really just gave the um, the fans that little jeer and boost that we needed. And I think the same happened today. I think, you know, as soon as they had that little hurrah before half-time, the fans really got up for it then. Um, and I messaged one of my mates who's a blue and said, you'll lose this now. You were doing really well up until then, but the heads have really gone. Um, and then at 2-0 two, up, we sort of killed the game off. I think the second goal really did kill the game off, but... I mean, throughout the game, you know, any sort of honourable mentions, um, obviously people are going to say that um, Everton were robbed with the penalty decision, potentially, on Gordon. In my opinion, I think it's soft, and I know people are going to say that just because I'm, I'll be biased. I do think it is a little bit soft, however, you have seen them being given. But I think if Gordon hadn't have been silly in that first half and dived and got booked... As soon as he did that, he planted a seed in the ref uh, in his in his mind. Because as soon as he did that, you know, Liverpool players will be straight onto the ref's case with him doing that. And he sort of, um, it was a bit of a the boy who cried wolf sort of scenario there, I think. And that might have almost swayed the ref a little bit. Like I say, I don't think it was a pen, but I, I've seen them been given. Um and, you know, that might have changed the game, it might not have, but ultimately Liverpool went and dominated the game. And it's just a massive three points given that City played before us yesterday. And I think for the next three games, we play before City. Um, so, you know, we can take the pressure onto them, um, which I think is going to be a massive, massive uh, thing going forward in this title race. Um, big thing on Everton now is obviously, <laughs> I don't want to focus on them too much, but... They're in a real scrap for relegation. I wouldn't want them to go down personally because I think the Merseyside derby is always one of the first games you look for on the fixture list, so I would miss it. Um, I think it would be funny for an hour if they did go down, but they look like they were really in trouble. Um, they almost look like a Sunday league team, the way they set up. Um, and if Liverpool just keep marching on, getting these results, you know, happy days. Obviously, we've got Villarreal on the week, and then we've got Leeds... Uh, We've got uh, Newcastle away at the weekend with City getting leads. Um, again, it, 
it's it's just getting nervy times. You know, the games are coming down in the calendar and the end of May is creeping up. So it was really important today to get that three points um, in a Merseyside derby, especially where one of the teams uh, in red are at the top and one of the teams in blue are at the bottom. Hello, Alex Watts, sometimes from the Did It Cross the Line podcast. And football without Origi is nothing. Um, what a dreadful and often irritating game of football, but what a hilarious way for it to end. Um, we had to be patient today. We had to put up with some dreadful tactics from Everton, but ultimately we got the win and it's dead funny that Everton played like that today and still ended up losing the state of years. Um, they came up with one tactic today and... Listen, they weren't necessarily wrong to play in that way and try to disrupt how we play to try and frustrate us, stop us from passing the ball around, doing what we do best. But some of the diving, the fouling, the time wasting was embarrassing to watch, let's, let's be honest. And I will say that pundits um, cannot act horrified when teams like Atletico Madrid do this in Europe against Manchester City and then stay silent when Everton do it here. Um, Richarlison's kick out on Hendo at the end summed up their day really. It was pathetic. He's lucky he didn't Inja Henderson get a red card. You know, uh, the behaviour of Richarlison, Decore, Gordon uh, in particular was pretty shameful, to be honest. Some say Anthony Gordon is still diving now. <laughs> um, he was on the deck so many times without being touched. But also Pickford was time-wasting from the first minute to the extent that he did that little wink to the Liverpool bench at one point, didn't he? Which I thought at the time was a bold move when there's a certain man on the bench who's embarrassed you again and again. And inevitably, Origi did come on and make him look a bit silly once again. Um, Alison mugging off Pickford at the end was also hilarious. If we do end up winning the league, I am going to need that footage to be played on a loop in all highlight packages, thanks. But ultimately, the game was won. The big moments came from Andy Robertson, Divock Origi with the goals, possibly the two funniest lads who could have scored the goals because I know Ev fans absolutely hate them both and to be honest as soon as Origi came on the game changed he is an absolute agent of chaos <laughs> in games like this he causes such panic amongst particularly these players because of his history against Everton the fact that he scored I think a quarter of his goals more than a quarter of his goals against the Ev is hilarious really he's a club legend a Merseyside derby legend a cult hero to the end um Pickford must have nightmares about this man uh you know wink at that pal um and yeah, Arigi, what, what a what a guy. It's going to be such a shame when he is going at the end of the season, isn't he? And it's it's going to be such a shame to see him go because he is a cult hero for moments like this. Barcelona, Champions League finally always pops up in these mad games. But yeah, Everton are going down, aren't they? And even funnier that it's with Frank Lampard as manager as well, giving it the big one on the touchline and... Yeah, I I think we're fortunate to come out of that without 
some injuries, to be honest, with the way Everton were playing. But ultimately, it does seem like we have come out of that unscathed. We've come out with the three points, which was obviously the most important thing in the context of the title race, in the context of the bragging rights for the Merseyside derby as per usual. And it's kind of ended up being funnier that we've won the way we have after they've played the way they have. So enjoy the championship, lads. Uh, (laughs) What a week for us, though. We've battered Man United, we've done over Everton, and we've got a Champions League semi-final to look forward to on Wednesday. So again, these are just great times. Like, let's drink it in, and I plan to drink it in a bit more now. So cheers, up the Reds. Hi, this is Owen from Cop On Podcast. Going down, going down, going down sang the Liverpool crowd, and no, they weren't singing about Jordan Pickford and his toffee twerp teammates flumping to the Anfield turf once more. Going down actually means that relegation is a thunderously realistic possibility for those blunders in blue. And let me just reiterate what many are saying and feeling. Ha, ha. Ha. Before this match, I would have been a bit sad at the idea of the old lady having to host the likes of Peterborough or Preston rather than the mighty Liverpool or Man City. After all, they gift us six points very often as well as provide incredible comedy moments. However, after today's Diego Simeone, Jose Borinho, wannabe anti-football disaster class. Frankly, dear Lampard, I don't give a damn. It was brilliant from Jurgen Klopp again, wasn't it? After a first half in which we were dragged down to Everton's boorish, sluggish and amateurish level, Jurgen refocused his side, made two magnificent substitutions. And hey presto, the magic was back. Hats off and flung into the air to Mo Salah for that beautiful cross for the first goal, as well as Robbo, of course, for the headed finish. Uh, If only Jordan Pickford had flumped to the ground then, he might have saved it. As for the second goal, I would just like to call in a moment's silence for Divock Origi, just so you, the dear listener, and I can just think about how much we frickin' love that man. He's wonderful. If we don't see him beyond this season, we'll all be gutted, won't we? But the love we have for Divock will endure forever. Three points then for the Rocket Reds, the Get It Done Reds, the Ruby Red Shredders of Opposition Game Plans. And it's a beautiful three points. This is Owen from Cop On Podcast saying what a great result and the great chase is still on. Owen, following on there from Alex and Mike Holt. Let's jump now into the Blood Red podcast Facebook group. Mark Donoghue writes, Well, until tonight, I didn't really want Everton to go down. After that, the Premier League will be a better place without them. I don't blame them for wasting time or defending deep. 
That's the only way they could possibly get anything at Anfield. However, those antics, especially from Richarlison, were nothing short of a disgrace. That kick on Hendo at the end should have seen him gone. They're horrible and reminded me of a poor man's Atletico Madrid. Bob O'Hanlon says, if Allison's Pickford impersonation isn't included in the highlights, I'll be deeply disappointed. And Paul Tacey says, when your left back pops up with a header at the back post, it just feels like it'll be a season for the ages. Another eight or nine finals on we go red men next up the yellow submarines who haven't had a game since the 19th of april and it'll be fresh into these red men the post game podcast on the blood red channel final say following the derby win over everton here on post game comes from mark baker vital win for liverpool Anfield against everton in what was a hard watch at times. Liverpool didn't play particularly well in the game. Everton came in with a game plan to have very little of the ball. Surrender possession, sit in a very deep block, all units of the team, and soak up pressure. And for the most part, I thought it would, the players for that tactic did really well, Everton. And in the second half, should have had a penalty. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Clear-cut penalty, Matip struggling with Gordon down Matip's right channel. And if that's given on a different day, I think it's a really difficult day for Liverpool. It was anyway, but it was a struggle to see where Liverpool were creating chances. Everton was so compact with so many bodies behind the ball that it was always going to make it difficult. And if they fell behind, well, I had a struggle to see Liverpool winning the game from that point. However, that's, I suppose, what makes, well... Obviously, you can be fortunate with refereeing decisions, of course, which Liverpool win in this case. But to actually go on and win the game, I think that's obviously the sign of all the great teams that they're not going to play to the maximum every single week. But in them games that they don't, they've got to find a way to come out with the win. And really, the changes that Jürgen Klopp made in bringing Luis Diaz onto the field and Diabocca Rigi, with the defining moments in the game, really, Liverpool obviously seeing how deep Everton was sitting, decided to get more players onto the highest line of the pitch, going with four attackers across the, the top end. And it paid dividends because Liverpool were able to get more bodies in the 18-yard box. And vitally, I mean, listen, it's all right having players in, you know, around that area. But you also got to try and do is when you've got possession against these kinds of teams who are just going to sit there with so many it's so, so compact behind the ball, is you've got to start feeding some probing balls into dangerous areas. And Liverpool, <laughs> some of the decision-making in the final third wasn't great. Rushed passes, the execution of the pass was poor. But also, what they weren't doing is, they weren't able to thread the ball between the lines or actually find any of the forward players inside the 18-yard box. And that improved somewhat at the start of the second half. And Salah, in particular, obviously finding that pass into Divock Origi to to hold the ball up, back the defender in, and then obviously play the ball back to Salah, who's, who's chipped, by the way, to Andy Robertson. It, listen, I haven't seen it mentioned much, but what fantastic execution again on his weak foot. To loft that ball and dink it perfectly to the head of Robertson. Just a magnificent piece of technique again from what we know, obviously, is a world-class player. But Origi's role in the goal was absolutely pivotal because being a central striker, a point striker, his natural inclination was to be able to get in that position and be happy with the defender, applying pressure from behind, him having the the technical ability to hold off the defender and then set 
for an oncoming player in Salah. And that's what Origi gave different to the game and was the vital player, obviously, in deciding the game. Not only that action, but also then following in Diaz's miss it scissor kick, if you like, to be able to, to, to seal the game for Liverpool. And I think he's the big person, really, that I, I suppose because of that, that I'm going to speak about today because obviously he's been such an interesting player for Liverpool. I mean, obviously when he came to the club, his best run of form it coincided. It was, I think it was on the way to the, I might be wrong here, but I think it was on the way to the Europa League final that particular season. And obviously got injured, a really bad tackle by Funes Mori for Everton which sort of derailed his progress. But at that time, he was absolutely playing fantastically for Liverpool. And I always believed at that time he'd go on to be a real top striker because if you look at his actual profile and his attributes, he's got so much in order to to be able to to challenge that status as, as a really good player um, for, a, 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 for a good football team. Now, if you look at him, you know, quick, can run in behind, excellent in the air, Good hold-up play when the ball's put, played into him to bring others into the game. Strong physical player as well. So, and an excellent finisher, by the way, as well. I mean, you look at actually his numbers in minutes minutes per goal ratio, and it's absolutely outstanding. And I've seen a lot from sort of comments of the, the staff at Liverpool that he's, he's the best finisher at the club. And you could see that potentially in the... Well, you can see it numerous times throughout his career at Liverpool. I mean, even if you look at some of the finishes as most... I suppose famous finishes against, for example, Barcelona, the the corner. Fantastic the way he swept the ball in such a difficult technique coming across your body to be able to control that. And in the Champions League final, the finish to bring the ball across his body and finish with his unfavoured weak foot with the laces into the bottom corner. He can score a variety of different finishes, either with the head, aerially, or off both feet. And like I said, all of them attributes put together, I really believed he'd go on to be an absolute top, top striker. And I actually believe with more game time, he not only would have been, but he also could be. Now he's going to obviously join, a, you know, it looks like there's rumours of AC Milan in the, in the summer. Because it's very difficult to actually judge how good Divock Origi can be. Like, you've got to factor in. In all of his Liverpool career, let's say since that Funes Mori's incident, I haven't got the statistics to hand, but I'd be very surprised if Tigre Origi has started five to six games consecutively for the club. Now, when you factor that in, and when he is playing, he's coming on for limited minutes at the end of the game as a substitute, or he's playing in much-changed cup teams that Liverpool will, will, will line up in the, in the domestic cup competitions... It's very difficult for any player in that circumstance to, to show their full potential and play in their full capacity. You know, the changes within the team, the fact that you've got no rhythm within starts in the game. And we know as well from the limited minutes he's had, I mean, with one of the best goals to ratio minutes, as I say, I mean, his productivity and the games that he's played for Liverpool, he's always played to a really high standard. There isn't many games which you could, you could look back on and say, Arigi's been poor or... He hasn't performed up to a level or looked a complete outlier in terms of the team. That hasn't been the case. And so often, he's obviously, in his limited minutes, has been really, really productive, even this season. So, I'm really interested to see, obviously, how his career develops after leaving Liverpool. And I really, obviously, wish him the best. He's been absolutely fantastic for Liverpool in what he's delivered. And his attitude, I mean, from everyone who talks about him in the club, 
the, the mentality to be able to be an underused player and yet make vital contributions. And his it, the, the way he's loved so much, I think, by the obviously the players and the rest of the staff shows a true top professional as well. And I have every every confidence that he'll go on to be a, a really good player for whoever, if it is AC Milan or whoever it takes him, obviously, in the future. And I think when you're also factoring, you know, a couple of the caveats you have to put in about his time at Liverpool, I think one of the most difficulties for Uri is not necessarily because he's not rated as a very good player from the staff or, or anyone at the club. You have to factor in that Roberto Firmino has been one of, one if not Liverpool's most important players. And his profile in the way Liverpool have set their team up throughout the successful years of Firmino dropping into that almost nine and a half position, linking the play for the wide forwards to then run from out to in and provide the height in the team. When you were bringing Origi into that situation, he's a completely different profile of player. He's almost an old-fashioned target player who'll play on the shoulder of the last line. And it's very difficult then to, to replicate what Firmino brings to the table and it automatically changes the way Liverpool play or how the team look to link up in the final third and that's been another factor as well it's so much a, a choice in the style of play and the availability of what's been a world-class player in Firmino which has meant that he just hasn't been able to get the, the game time that he'd like I mean you're even seen at times for Liverpool obviously operating on the left-hand side and again that's because other players were more comfortable dropping into that nine and a half role in the the very few games throughout the years in which Firmino hasn't been available for so he's just had no continuity um but would I mean you could see Origi playing for most of the teams in the Premier League quite comfortably maybe not the absolute elite teams but on a regular basis this is but when you look at I had a conversation actually the other week with my friend who supports Everton and we were talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin who I'd describe as a real handful you know he's a player who I don't think he'll ever be an elite centre forward but he's a real handful he's got you know lots of good attributes in terms of physicality in the air decently quick to get him behind and we were having the conversation and I was saying I I agree with all of that by the way that was my perception of Calvert-Lewin but for me with the amount of games that Rigi could have accumulated at a different club, I don't see Dominic Calvert-Lewin, for example, as a better player than Divock Origi. I really don't. The difference is, if you're playing on a week-to-week basis, gaining confidence, gaining momentum, gaining rhythm in your game, then you can see, you can then begin to see sort of the level that somebody can reach. And I just don't think Origi's been ever afforded that. And that's probably came from him as well. You know, he's been happy with his role, happy to be part of a successful club. But... I feel he's got so much to offer. And when you look at some of the, the strikers who have similar profiles and being in, in sort of a target man, centre forward, you know, whether it be Michel Antonio, Donald Calvert-Lewin, all of these kind of players, I really don't believe that a level that is a superior to Origi because of all the things that I talked about before. And it's delicate little touch to bring Salah into the game for the little chip again, showed his technical ability in tight areas as well. So he's really got a, a really superb package there and, He's been absolutely fantastic in terms of the contributions for Liverpool and has decided the derby today, which obviously keeps Liverpool in with a chance of the Premier League title. Another huge week to come then for the Reds with the Champions League semi-final first leg with Villarreal to come on Wednesday. All the build-up and further derby reaction to come across the Blood Red channel and the Liverpool echo. Divock Origi, though, serving up perhaps a parting gift for the cop and sending Everton into the bottom three with the run-in well and truly underway. You've been listening to the Post Game Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.